A very warm welcome to all our listeners on this gorgeous spring afternoon. This is Professor David Block, and my show is entitled Looking Up with David Block. Today we have a very special guest in studio, a very dear friend of mine, Graham Codrington. And before I introduce him, I'd like to just paint a little story, if I may. And that is wearing my hat as an astronomer. We're always looking back into the past. We look back at galaxies rushing away from us, galaxies at 6 billion light years away, galaxies at 10 billion light years away, galaxies at 12 billion light years away. So my passion is in looking back to the very beginnings of cosmic space and of cosmic time. So in a sense, we're looking back into history. But of course, one of the grand questions which one is often asked is, what does the future actually hold for us? Well, we have so many rich lessons to learn from the past. But is there something known, is there someone known as a futurist? And the answer is a resonating yes. There are highly specialized people living on terra firma, the pale blue dot, as described by Carl Sagan, who uh, would call themselves futurists. So I'd like to uh, invite you to listen today for an hour chat to Dr. Graham Codrington. And I'd like to, just before we begin, give the information. You can reach us in the studio on 0861 I repeat, 0861 The Twitter handle is f at cliffcentral.com, Instagram cliffcentral. Facebook, Cliff Central, the WeChat ID, feel free to use that as well, Cliff Central. And now to interview Dr. Graham Codrington. Graham, it's a singular joy and honor as a friend and as a colleague to welcome you to studio here at cliffcentral.com. It's great to be here, David. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, that's about the best introduction I think I've ever had. I think I'm going to get the podcast and record that and play it at every session. Good. Well, it's always fun to marry the past with the future. Graham, could you please describe to all our listeners, bearing in mind that most of them, I suppose, are perhaps 25 years or younger, what exactly is a futurist? It sounds so intriguing. And exactly what do you do as a futurist? Well, it is an interesting career choice. Uh, you know, it isn't about sort of the, the back to the future movies and, and trying to think about fantastic technologies that nobody's ever thought of before and, the, you know, the hoverboard and the self-lacing shoes and things like yes. that uh, that we had in, in those movies. What it really is, and I think you've actually positioned it perfectly, uh, when we're thinking about uh, what you do for a living, which yes. is to look back into Always. the past. Yes. 
you know, even when we look at the sun, we're looking eight minutes, am I right? Yes, in, correct. Into the eight past. minutes, eight and a third minutes. In, 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 in terms of time. how long the light takes mm. to get here. And mm. basically what a futurist does is attempt to do that. So what we, what we try to do is spot trends and to spot patterns mm-hmm. in society mm-hmm. and to try and work out what things have happened before that will happen again. Mm-hmm. So are we able to see? So, you know, the season's changing every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it happens every year. We know that it's going to happen. Here in Johannesburg, we're going through what always happens in September. Is everybody says, "Wow, summer's here already! Look at how great the temperatures mm. are, and the mm. skies are blue." And they forget that every year, towards the end of September, there's a cold snap and winter comes back. It's probably mm. the day after you put your jerseys <laughs> away. Exactly. Um, and every year, everybody phones into the radio stations and says, "Ah, oh, winter surprised us again." Yes. Of course, it's not a surprise if it happens every year. Yes. So part of the job of a futurist is to look for those patterns mm-hmm. and see, are there patterns? Are there things that keep repeating themselves? Mm-hmm. And, and that can alert us then to what might happen next year or the year after. Mm-hmm. Of course, most things in the world are not patterns. Mm-hmm. They're not cycles. Yes. There's a lot of novelty. And in fact, we live in a world right now where there is a lot of novelty. Yes. Things haven't happened before. Mm-hmm. And we can't look to the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's uh, part of why I think this uh, career of being a futurist is now more important than it's been before. Mm-hmm. Because people are saying, well, we don't know what next season's fashions are going to be. Right. We, we don't know what's going to happen in our business cycle next Or in technology. Or in technology, mm. you know. Um, mm. So... What we do as futurists is, is we attempt to take a variety of different insights, a variety of different um, academic disciplines, everything from sociology and demographics to technology and engineering, uh, politics and economics comes into it. And we bring all of that together. And at one level, and you probably shouldn't admit this in public, mm-hmm. we then sit down and we take educated guesses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what distinguishes uh, the people who do this on, in, in their homes on a Saturday evening around the dinner table mm. from someone like myself who does it uh, professionally. Mm-hmm. We, we try and put a little bit more education into our guesses, mm-hmm. but often it is just looking at the patterns, building scenarios for what might happen in the future, and then taking those scenarios to people and saying, look, this is what might happen. What does that mean for you? Uh, and what changes should you make now to prepare yourself for the future? I think it is just awesome, Graham, the field that you've chosen as your, that which you infuse with passion and joy and love and creativity and purpose. You know, Graham, the one thing I think which we share in common is that my universe, our universe, is impregnated with change. Stars are born, stars die. The universe is changing. Planets are changing. Every day, every moment, every second as I look up at the cosmos, from my world of the macrocosm to your world of the microcosm, we see change. And I think that's the cutting-edge interface uh, which sort of marries your field as a futurist and my field looking back into the past as an astronomer is this incredible change, this notion of change which we can use to our ultimate benefits. Absolutely. You know, I think every human being who has ever woken up at any time in history has probably been able to turn to the person lying next to them in bed and say, 
wow, there's a lot of change in the world right now. Uh, it's very easy for us to think as we live here in 2014 that now is a time of great change. But it's always changing, isn't it? I mean, Absolutely. The, the universe, ev- every, star, every atom is always in, in, yes. in motion, in motion, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. And, and so we do need to be careful when we try and look at the future and look at future trends that we don't think of ourselves as being too special. You yes. know, we, everybody has always experienced change. Mm-hmm. Having said that, though, there are times, there are moments in history when there does appear to be a sort of burst of, of change or a collision of multiple different forces for change mm-hmm. where, where something spectacular Much happens. like a volcano. Well, that, and I'm guessing uh, in your field there must be lots of examples of supernovae, supernovae yes. things, you know, where something's yes. going along yes. for a period of time Absolutely. and then suddenly there's Absolutely. dramatic change. Absolutely. And in history that happens every now and again. You know, we look back. Uh, a few hundred years, we, we see things like the Industrial Revolution, we, the Enlightenment, the Reformation, mm. the Renaissance. We even name these moments. Mm. Mm. And, and each of those moments was a period of about 40 or 50 years mm. when I like to call it the rules for success and failure mm. were changing. Mm. Um, and, and society was changing. Politics, economics, the way we did business, education, and even Popular culture, the music and Mm. the fashions changed Mm. during those times. And we can see as we study history, Mm. definite before and after Mm. in Mm. history. And genuinely, I I believe in the research that that my team at our company called To Tomorrow Today, Mm -hmm. uh, 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 the team that we have, I think is seeing that we are living in one of those moments. Mm, that's so in a, exciting. In a sort of a supernova moment in history. If the you like. supernova moment is the thermonuclear fusion builds up uh, as little sort of layers of the onion until eventually the star whose mass is, say, above the Chandra Sika limit or the Oppenheimer Volkov limit actually starts exploding. Awesome stuff. You're listening to Looking Up with David Block. My guest in studio is Dr. Graham Codrington. You can reach Graham at 0861-555-189. Why not give Graham a call on 0861-555-189. The Twitter feed at cliffcentral.com, at Instagram cliffcentral, at Facebook cliffcentral, and the WeChat ID at cliffcentral. So we've got a couple of questions buzzing up on the screen. First of all, welcome, Lionel. It's great to have you on WeChat. And your question to Graham is, didn't you write the book entitled Mind the Gap with Sue Grant Marshall? One of my lecturers recommended the book to me once. A great read. Yes, Graham. Well, th- thanks, Lionel. Absolutely. So, uh, at least I know you and my mother have both read the book. That's fantastic. <laughs> uh, but yes, Mind the Gap, I think, was uh, the book that uh, got me a little bit of a reputation about 10 years ago uh, in trying to understand different generations. The, the gap that the book talks about is the gap between younger and older people in the world. And that's really where I started to get interested in disruptive change, mm-hmm. in this idea that we are living at a, at a remarkable time in history where these rules are changing. Because today's young people are not just younger versions of today's old people. Uh, I'm actually smiling as, as you read out all, 
all of the ways in which we can connect here, <laughs> Prof. Uh, you know, wondering if you, even if we know what all these things mean, you know, connect with us on Twitter and WeChat. And, and that's the problem, you know, as, as older guys in, in, in the world. We really have to work hard. We do. Uh, I, I, Absolutely. I'm what we call digital immigrants. You know, we, we might kind of know the language, but it'll Not always precisely. it'll always be a third or fourth language. For yes. Us, you know. Yes. But today's young people are not just younger versions of us. That's true. Uh, they're not going to grow up to be like us. Us. If you've got children or nephews and nieces, you you must see it mm-hmm. that they have different expectations. Mm-hmm. They have different mindsets and, mm-hmm. and certainly different skills. Mm-hmm. And so actually it was my, and, and so thanks for the question, Lionel, it was definitely my work on understanding different generations, which led me into realizing that we are living at this moment when things are changing mm-hmm. dramatically. And mm-hmm. one of the major disruptive forces in the world right now is a new generation of young people mm. uh, coming into the Interesting. World. And here you and I are sitting on a live streaming dot I know. Radio Who would have thought station. this possible? <laughs> but this is, this is one of the, the results of younger people, a younger yes. generation yes. in the world, yes. bringing disruptive mindsets. Yes. Uh, now, Graham, I'm ex- I'd love to um, explore that cutting edge yet further. And that is exactly the notion of perhaps the picture you painted in my field, that of a supernova, is that you've got the star and there's thermonuclear fusion and there's light and there's heat and thus forth, and then suddenly there's change. But it's not only change, it's what you are calling, and I would agree with you, disruptive change. In other words, it's irreversible. Once the star's exploded, it cannot implode on itself to become the same star uh, again. Now, as a futurist, you do emphasize quite a lot, as you've already done, that we're living at this very exciting interface or, or time of uh, disruptive change. In other words, not just change, but uh, a change which is disruptive. Could you perhaps enlighten our listeners as to exactly what you mean by that? Well, I, I use the word disruptive, and a, a lot of people take that as quite a, a negative thing. You know, yes. disruption has the, the sense of being negative because it changes the status quo. It changes what we know mm-hmm. and what we're used to. Mm-hmm. But, but disruption isn't necessarily negative. Mm-hmm. Disruption, as you said, just means that the state you were in before has changed yes. and it will never go back. Yes. And that's the key. You know, I think especially in South Africa right now, there are a lot of people who are thinking, you know, if we could just uh, get the right politicians into our government, mm-hmm. whichever politicians you think are mm-hmm. the right ones, mm-hmm. if we could just get them in, mm-hmm. give them a voice, then we can sort out this, this country. And mm-hmm. Other people are saying, well, no, it's the economy. You know, if we could just grow the economy a little bit faster and we could get a few more jobs, then everything will go back to normal. That's mm. the, the sort of the unsaid part of that sentence. Mm. And that isn't going to happen. We are not just going through a little blip in history right now mm-hmm. where there's a little bit of politics to fix and the economy to sort out and then everything will be as it was. Yes. We are living at a time where every country's experienced political upheaval. Mm-hmm. Every country in the world is going through economic shifts. Mm-hmm. And we are going through shifts in society, in education, in popular culture, in technology in the environment every Mm -hmm. part of our world 
seems to be in flux right now. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I want to help people to, first of all, accept. And then secondly, and, and probably accepting by seeing evidence of it. And then once you've accepted it, if, if you accept that we are in a time of disruptive change, mm. you have to ask, well, then what are the new rules? How mm-hmm. am I going to succeed? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. if you're listening to the show right mm-hmm. now, you need to think, mm-hmm. what do I do for a career? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, you, you know, and, and <laughs> a nice simple example is, you know, if life expectancy is till 70 years old mm. and you get married at 30, mm. you've only made a 40-year decision. Mm. But if, and, and for most people listening to the show, their mm. life expectancy is mm. over 100 years old. Mm. Mm. If you were born in the 1990s, you have a more than even chance of living in three centuries. It's incredible. What a thought. Mm. What but a if, thought indeed. But if you get married mm. at age 30, you mm. might have just made an 80-year decision mm. if you've got a till death to us part <laughs> attitude about it. That, and in that's my mind, stunning. it yes. changes mm. the game. Mm. And it, it, it means we have to be more thoughtful, more careful, and approach whatever it is we're approaching, with a different mindset. And that's what I like to help people understand. So uh, we are talking to Dr. Graham Codrington. This is Professor David Block. Our program is Looking Up with David Block. You can reach us on 0861-555-189, on Twitter at CliffCentral.com, Instagram, CliffCentral, Facebook, CliffCentral, WeChat ID, CliffCentral. I'm thrilled today to see the lines really lighting up in terms of our WeChats. And Duncan has a very interesting question uh, for our guest, Dr. Graham Codrington. And Duncan asks the following question. What does the future hold in your eyes? Will all human beings be living together in harmony? And would everyone on earth be housed and fed for free? Graham. <laughs> That's a big question. <laughs> uh, you know, it, futurists always get themselves into trouble when they make specific predictions. Yes. This might sound like a strange thing that if surely if your job is a futurist, you should be making predictions. But actually, that's not what futurists do mm-hmm. because almost every prediction about the future will be wrong. Yes. Either it will be yes. wrong in terms of what actually happens mm-hmm. or it will be wrong in terms of timing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's almost, I think it's a lucky guess if you get anything right. So what futurists actually do is provide scenarios. Mm-hmm. If, if you like, mm-hmm. it's the difference between throwing a stone into a river and trying to predict exactly where the stone will land mm-hmm. versus saying where the river banks are. Mm-hmm. So we give ourselves quite a lot of leeway, leeway to be latitude. honest. We, yes. you know, we're not civil mm-hmm. engineers here. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not the scientists that you are trying to pinpoint mm. exactly mm. where something is in mm. space and time. But what we try and do is give scenarios. Mm-hmm. And, and Duncan, your, your question is a great example of this. So what we want to do is try and ask, can we picture a world in which there are no wars anymore, in which mm. everybody's getting mm. free food and free mm. housing? Mm. That was your question. Mm. Or can we picture the opposite of that, where there's complete chaos and, and uh, you, know, you know, maybe nuclear war that, that destroys mm-hmm. the world? Mm-hmm. And if we see two different banks of the river, a sort of a best-case scenario and a worst-case scenario, we can then begin to narrow down to what we think will happen. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like I'm hedging a bit. Let me answer Duncan's mm-hmm. question. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that we will ever live in a world where there is no conflict. Yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I, absolutely. I, 
It's against human nature, well, right? You know, the point is, as we said yes. at the top of the show, yes. the job of the futurist is to look back yes. in order to look for patterns. Yes. Sadly, I know yes. both you and I have a view of the planet that wishes this was otherwise. Yes. But sadly, everything yes. we know about yes. human history yes. tells us we're going to find ways to fight each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Uh, we are living at a remarkable time in history, which is actually the most peaceful time in recorded history. Uh, not a lot of people know that because, of course, every time you switch on the news, mm-hmm. there's another you know, war going on. But actually, yes. in terms of human history, we are living at a time where most human beings are living at peace. Mm. And that's, that's unusual. Mm. But I don't think it will last forever. And as we've seen with Russia and the, the ISIS and ISIL mm. issues now, uh, conflict can emerge at mm. any time. Is everybody going to live in a house? Is everybody going to get food? Uh, again, you would hope so, and this is a wonderful goal for us to have sure. as wonderful humanity. scenario. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and again, there is good news. We have halved the number of people who live in extreme poverty in the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. When I was born, I'm, I'm in my 40s now, mm. half of the world's population was classified as extremely poor, lived mm-hmm. on less than a dollar a day. Mm-hmm. Um, today, less than 18% are mm-hmm. in that category. Mm-hmm. So that's hugely mm-hmm. excellent news. Mm. Uh, w- even if we get that down to zero, mm. uh, and I hope we do, mm. that still doesn't mean everybody's rich and famous. Sure. It still doesn't mean everybody's sure. middle class. Mm-hmm. If you're earning $1.50 a day, you're still poor. Mm-hmm. You're just not extremely poor. Right. So Degrees I, of comparison. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I can see a scenario where mm-hmm. everybody in the world has a, a shelter over their head and mm-hmm. everybody has some food to eat. That scenario I can see mm-hmm. just. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's a great question that Duncan's asked. Maybe give some insight into how a futurist uh, sees the future. We can reduce extreme poverty, but I don't think we can ever get rid of conflict uh, entirely. Great. We'll be coming back to some more uh, WeChat questions in a couple of moments. You're listening to Professor David Block. You can reach us on 0861-555-189. And the WeChat ID, which certainly is the most popular today, is just Cliff, Cliff uh, Central. We're going to have a little break now. We're going to go to Enya, I believe. And uh, she's going to lead us into her theater, her world of experience, of being, of becoming. I believe Duncan, our studio engineer, audio engineer today, will be playing Paint the Sky with Stars. Never sh- 
You are listening to Professor David Block. The broadcast is entitled Looking Up with David Block. And my studio guest today is Dr. Graham Codrington. You've just been listening to Enya paint the sky with stars. And as I close my eyes and ponder the answer to that question, who will paint the sky with stars. I am looking at the future. It's a question of looking into the future. The question is not who has painted the midnight star, but who will paint the midnight star. Oh, the night, the sleep, the dreams that cannot be kept, but alas, the dreams which can be kept. All aligned, I would say, with a central question. Who, oh who, will paint the midnight star? Graham, you have spent a lot of time together with your team, not only modeling disruptive change, but you've actually got a a name for your model of disruptive change, I understand, called TIDES. T for Tommy, I-D-E-S for sugar. I'd love you to... Uh, unpack that acronym for us and tell it exactly what it, what the acronym uh, represents and, uh, and some of the models, key achievements and scenario uh, planning. Uh, sure, uh, David. In, in fact, uh, a follow-up question to what we were talking about just uh, before in your song, uh, Duncan asked, uh, so is the job of a futurist, uh, 
you know, not to say what will happen in the future, yes. but only to say what can happen. Yes. Uh, and at one level, that is the case. But what we do as futurists is we come up with, with models or with patterns that help mm-hmm. people to make sense uh, of what they're seeing in the world. So uh, if, if you've been in, in business for any length of time, you've probably gone on, on some conference somewhere where you were asked to do a pest analysis mm. um, and to look at the pests. Mm. And the mm. pests are politics, economics, social change, and technology. Mm-hmm. And, and those are forces that, that often people look at to see what's going to change in our business. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned the, the model that our team at Tomorrow Today has come up with mm-hmm. called the tides of change. Now, this is specifically when we, when we started a number of years ago asking what are the disruptive forces that are changing the world? What is going to be different in the future to the past? Mm-hmm. And as we did our research, we recognized that there were these five key forces that were shaping the world. So if we want to say what's the world going to be like in 2020, understanding these five forces gives us something of a picture and we can get quite confident in some of our predictions. So those tides then, the, the T stands for technology mm-hmm. and that's an obvious place to start. Mm-hmm. You know, technology all around us is, is shaping the world. We've, we've all got these smartphones. Uh, probably it's less than an arm's length away from you right mm-hmm. now, wherever you are listening. Mm-hmm. It's the first thing you see in the morning, the last thing you say goodnight to at night. Uh, and most people access their smartphones uh, between 70 and 100 times every day. Um, and it's not just that it's a great way to play Candy Crush or um, a great way to send messages to your friends. It gives you access to more information than anyone's ever had access to in history. Um, connecting you into the digital heartbeat of the planet mm-hmm. as you can connect your phone to smart devices. Mm-hmm. So what we're seeing with technology, if we just take that as an example, mm-hmm. if we look five or, or ten years into the future, mm-hmm. we're asking where are some of these technologies heading? Mm-hmm. And if we look ten years ago, Facebook's just over ten years old. Would we ever have anticipated that, that that Facebook would have a billion people connected mm. to it mm. and be connecting us to long lost primary school friends, mm. you know? Um, and I think the answer is actually you could have. You could have seen that this is something human beings love to do. We love to be connected. We love to share our lives. Mm. And so I think you couldn't have predicted exactly what Facebook would look like, mm. but you could have predicted that this mm. would be successful. And people who did predict it bought shares in Facebook uh, and are smiling quite nicely now. Mm. Um, so if we look now, today, this afternoon, on the 9th of September, Apple are going to have their annual conference, and they're launching yes, the iPhone 6, yes, and they're launching yes, the iWatch, and yes. all of that's interesting, but in five years' time, no one's going to remember the date on which they launched their next phone. What I think, and I'm happy to put this out as a prediction today, you can test my credentials on making predictions, they will also announce today, in addition to the iPhone 6 and the iWatch, they will also announce that they are moving into healthcare, hmm. that they are going to put a big emphasis on wearable and soon implantable devices hmm. that will keep a real-time record of what's going on inside hmm. our bodies. Hmm. You know, you get a lovely little SMS message, dear Graham, you haven't drunk enough water yet today. <laughs> you know, please get a few uh, a liter into you quickly hmm. uh, with love from your liver you know, or your <laughs> kidneys. And... I, I'm very confident in predicting that by 2020, 
we will all be getting real-time medical information from wearable or implanted devices. And I'm pretty certain that Apple will be amongst the leading companies mm. in that space. Mm -hmm. That's a big shift. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a big prediction mm -hmm. in terms of where Apple was, a was, computer company will, to yes. where they will be, a, yes. a medical company. Yes. Um, just like a prediction would have been that they would dominate the music industry with mm -hmm. iTunes and so on. So that's what a futurist can do. We can look at trends. We can see now that's not an uninformed decision. Apple mm -hmm. has employed 25 medical professionals in the last few months, and mm -hmm. that's an open record. Mm -hmm. uh, they have given hints and clues that they are heading in this uh, direction, and we know that this is the direction most technology companies are heading. Mm -hmm. So technology is our first major disruptive mm -hmm. force. The other forces, just very quickly to fill out the story, I stands for institutional change. This has got to do with changes to the rules and structures of society, mm. uh, how society works. So, uh, South Africa gives us the best example right now of changes to the way systems work. Look at how the EFF is handling mm. their mm. situation in Parliament mm. right now. Mm -hmm. They're changing the rules. Mm -hmm. they, they're mm -hmm. probably bending and breaking the rules mm -hmm. too, but they are bringing a disruptive change. Mm -hmm. Positive or negative remains to be seen, mm -hmm. but it's change. Mm -hmm. The same is happening in banking with new regulations. The same is happening in the car industry with driverless cars coming soon. And we're going to have to change the way we think mm -hmm. about driving and cars and roads and so on. So that's institutional change. D is demographics. Mm -hmm. We've already mentioned this with mm -hmm. saying we're going to live a lot longer. Families are smaller now. Sure. We're having less children, etc. The E in the TIDES model stands for the environment and ethical concerns. Of course, we have to look after our natural resources, understand the impact of climate change and global warming and so forth. And then finally, the S stands for social values. If all of the things we've talked about in the last few minutes are, are true, then it must be obvious that we are going to find society changing. The way we live, how we live, how we interact with each other, mm. what our children expect from the future, what mm. careers we choose mm. and who we marry. Mm. All of these social mm. issues, these mm. are all going to change mm. dramatically, more in our lifetime than I think in any other period mm -hmm. of recorded mm -hmm. history. So that's what the TIDES model is. And mm -hmm. as I say, our, our team at Tomorrow Today, I think, are becoming quite well known for talking about this and, and helping companies and people to understand the implications of these five disruptive forces. Graham, uh, one uh, thought which has captivated my attention over the last couple of years in particular is the tremendous reliance which my students have on technology. For example, I lectured to 250 students uh, in first-year applied mathematics, and there's a tremendous reliance, of course, on the iPhone and the laptop and so forth. Uh, one of the comments which I wish to make, an observation which uh, has come into central focus, is that uh, would, you know, if Einstein were to be living today, technology wouldn't have given him the answers that space-time is curved or, you know, uh, the general theory of relativity or the special theory of relativity or of active and conformally active symmetries in metrically automorphic space-times. I'm, you know, I'm totally with you. I so, so fully understand what, what you're saying. What, what's <laughs> worrying me, Graham, is that I fully support the use of technology as my slave, but not as my master. And 
I always, I've asked people around the world, Graham, when last have you seen someone just sitting thinking like the great Rodin masterpiece? Hmm. And most people say to me, well, I've never seen that, or certainly of recent years haven't seen that. And it worries me that many of my students are actually failing to think. Does this concern you as a futurist, this disruptive change, which I'm not sure is for the better if it becomes your master and is not your slave? Well, I love the way you phrased the question because a lot of people would say, well, we just have to get rid of technology. And that's not what you ask. No. Uh, and and, and you've, you, I, I think you phrased it exactly right. If technology becomes something that we use, mm-hmm. it's a tool, mm-hmm. then it's fantastic. Absolutely. I'd, I, I'm absolutely convinced if you gave Einstein a scientific calculator, mm. he wouldn't have turned it down. Mm. It, it, mm. it made some mm-hmm. fairly mm-hmm. laborious calculations mm-hmm. a lot easier for yes. him. But your point is exactly right. If we then rely on these things... Um, and rely on them so that we think we don't have to think, then I think we've got a big problem. Mm -hmm. Now, creative people, I don't think, will ever do that. Mm -hmm. See, I think creative people are creative Wonderful. Mm -hmm. And what they need to do, and what we all need to do, is recognize that these things are tools. Mm -hmm. But I agree with your concern very much that we are... There's a new type of, and maybe even the right word is disease, Mm -hmm. which is a digital burnout... Absolutely. That, I love that word. That, that mm. people are so connected to their devices all the time mm. that they don't ever get a, a gap from them. Mm. Um, I'm have been absolutely convinced by the people who are doing research, for example, on sleep. Mm-hmm. The fact that if you sleep with your phone next to you, even though you don't know it, mm. it is waking you up mm. during the night mm-hmm. with beeps and, and with messages that come in. Mm-hmm. And that because you are programmed to respond to your phone like Pavlov's dog, mm. even in your sleep you wake up. And I think people are sleep deprived, not because they're not sleeping mm. eight hours, so they think, mm. but actually they're being woken up mm. from deep sleep by the phone. Don't have the phone in the room with you. Absolutely. Why do you have to Absolutely. sleep next to your phone? Absolutely. Really? Mm-hmm. Um, we certainly don't do it for our children, so why do it for ourselves? Mm-hmm. Just an example. Mm-hmm. But you asked, when last did you see somebody like the thinker? Well, you should have come on holiday with me three <laughs> weeks ago to the Drakensberg. Yes. Um, Tell me more. And you can come on holiday <laughs> with me to the, the eastern seaboard of the United States in December this year, where I do, and, and, and I have a great team that, that helps me to be able to switch off. Completely. Wonderful. We Wonderful. All, we all help each other. Wonderful. So we, we reroute emails, we, we switch off the phone, and you know what? If somebody gets irritated and says, I don't want to work with you because I couldn't contact Mm. you during that Mm. week, for me, that's a price Mm. to be paid. Mm. Uh, Because I don't want digital burnout. Mm. I want, Mm. as you said, these devices, this technology, Mm. these are our slaves, Mm. uh, our tools. Mm. Uh, They're not our master. Wonderful. You are listening to Dr. Graham Codrington. I am Professor David Black. Uh, The broadcast is entitled, Looking Up with David Black. I suppose that with the majority of our listeners being youngsters, as I might say, with myself being 60, a dinosaur already, um, I have to look to the future and ask myself um, and focus my attention on the question of jobs. Uh, Clearly, this is uppermost in the minds of most people around the world. And uh, I'd love to hear your views, Graham, on the answer to this question as to 
Yeah, we have multitudes of young people listening in from across the world, uh, global streaming and thus forth. Uh, let's take someone sitting in Montreal. Let's take someone sitting in Cape Town. Let's take someone sitting in Cajiso. And the, all three are pondering, what job should I actually be considering? How do I go about advising people on that futuristic scenario? And, and you know what, David, this is where being a futurist stops being an academic exercise and, and something that's best done uh, with a case of wine nearby and starts mm-hmm. to become very personal and very important. I have three young daughters, and if my nine-year-old daughter said to me, Daddy, what must I be when I grow up? You know, what must my career be? Mm. What she's actually asking me is, Dad, what jobs are going to be in high demand in the year 2028, mm. you know, when it's she's awesome. finished studying. Yes. And, and so that's when being a futurist is, is no longer just a parlor game. This is now important mm-hmm. because you know, my oldest daughter is choosing her, her matric subjects mm-hmm. and these then limit her paths to the future. And mm-hmm. if we don't, if we're not able to predict what that future looks like, mm. we can get into real difficulties. Mm-hmm. There are jobs that both you and I uh, could have studied for at university that no longer exist. Correct. That just That's don't true. exist. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, one of them, for example, is is currency trading. I know there are still a few currency traders here and there, mm. but as a career, it's dead mm. because computers mm. do that mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. You know, in split fractions of a second, computers all around the world trade currencies. No human beings required anymore. Yes. These, this was a well-paid job two or three mm. years ago with massive bonuses available, mm-hmm. gone. Mm-hmm. And in every industry, you see either jobs have disappeared or they have so radically changed that the studies you, you studied for no longer useful. Correct. Um, so, how then do we answer the question, mm-hmm. what should you be when mm-hmm. you grow up? Well, the first thing is, do be clever. Sit down and, and think about those tides of change I was talking mm-hmm. about. Do they give you any hints about where things are going? So, mm-hmm. let's use the medical field as an example. Yes. I'm pretty convinced that 20 years, let's pick a number, 20 years from now, we won't have GPs, mm-hmm. your, your generalist, family doctor who sits around waiting for Amazing. you to come with a cough. Mm-hmm. Because you'll be able to, you, you wake up in the morning with a cough, you'll stick your smartphone on your chest and, <coughs> mm. and you'll record that and send it off to some doctor.com website that will do an automatic thing. By the way, you won't even get to that stage because the Apple device that you implanted in your Mm. body Mm. would have warned you that there was a virus Mm -hmm. that you couldn't see three weeks ago Mm -hmm. and recommended some Mm -hmm. medication Mm -hmm. to you. Now, that might sound like an extreme scenario. I'm Mm -hmm. not saying there are going to be no doctors, Mm -hmm. but I just think the general practitioner who's dealing with general aches and pains and colds and sniffles, not going to exist. We don't need that person. Mm -hmm. It can Mm -hmm. all be done by computers robots and automation. Mm-hmm. So if you want to go into the medical field, don't even think about GP. Mm. You must be thinking of specialization. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, now you ask, well, which specialization mm-hmm. makes sense? Mm-hmm. So again, depending on your mindset, if you want to be on the cutting edge, surely right now it's obvious to everybody the cutting edge of medical investigation and understanding of the human body is the mind. Mm -hmm. It's the part of the body Mm. we don't know. We can replace every Mm. other part Mm. of your body, Mm -hmm. from your teeth to your eyeballs, Mm. from your 
your mm-hmm. skin to your heart, yeah. but we can't touch your brain. Mm-hmm. As soon as we touch your brain, mm-hmm. everything goes wrong mm-hmm. at the moment. So, so neuroscience mm-hmm. and and the the neuro mm-hmm. part of medicine mm-hmm. and neurophysiology is is yeah. absolutely and there's mm-hmm. there's neuro robotics mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know mind control mm-hmm. prostheses mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. That is not going to go away in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. In fact, that's the cutting edge. So it depends on your mindset. If you're mm-hmm. thinking, generally, I want to go towards the medical field, you mm-hmm. then have to sit down mm-hmm. and say, well, which parts of the medical mm-hmm. field still have unanswered mm-hmm. questions? Still mm-hmm. have, you know, is where the research is going now? Mm-hmm. And which parts, given the disruptive change in society and demographics and so on, uh, which parts are not going to open? Uh, another simple example related to that. It must be obvious if we're all going to live to a hundred or more, that old age healthcare is going mm. to be huge, mm-hmm. and this is everything from insurance mm. to driverless cars for people who can mm-hmm. no longer drive themselves but still need to move around, all the way through to actual in-home nursing and frail care facilities, mm-hmm. uh, and that's going to be huge in the future. We know that. So, how do I choose a career? The first step is you can look at what you know about the future and be clever. But the second thing is, I think, it's a wonderful time of opportunity right yes, now. Yes, I agree. Uh, you know, when you and I were, were growing up and our parents said, you can become, how many was it? Lawyer, doctor, engineer, <laughs> accountant, actually exactly. scientist. Exactly. There we go. Make your choice. Exactly. I did accountancy. You went and <laughs> became a scientist. Bang. Yes. Sorted. Yes. Whereas, of course, today you can, the world is just filled with opportunities. Mm, mm. The fastest growing industry right now, I don't know if you, if you know this, but it's, it's uh, cell phone games. Mm. If, if your child says, I want to spend my lifetime creating cell phone games, mm. they are choosing a very mm. lucrative, mm. very stable, very secure career. Mm. Um, the, the games industry is bigger than Hollywood. Uh, with Grand Theft Auto mm. last year came out in October. Mm-hmm. It made, I think if I remember the numbers correctly, $2 billion in the opening weekend. It's staggering. In the it opening is. weekend. Weekend, three days, mm. the first three days, $2 billion. Mm. So, you, you know, if, if your child says, I don't want to be a lawyer, doctor, engineer, mm. or mm. accountant, I'd like to create the next Candy Crush, mm-hmm. um, you know, or, or, or next Angry Birds you probably need to pat them on the back mm. and say, good choice, my daughter, or mm. good, choice, good choice, my son. So I think it's got a lot more to do now, career choice, with what you're passionate about, what you can be brilliant at, and realizing you've got more opportunity now than you've ever had uh, to be who you want to be uh, and make a career out of your passions. Well, passion is the, certainly the central key. You're listening to... Dr. Graham Codrington, and this is Professor David Block, and our broadcast is entitled Looking Up with David Block. Well, we have some exciting comments and questions on WeChat. Uh, the one is from Vaughan. This is interesting. Uh, we've been talking about disruptive change and technology, and here we are on a global streaming worldwide, and here it's working. Great show, says Vaughan. Listening in the Middle East on my drive home from Dubai to Abu Dhabi. Thanks, Vaughan. I think that is just so cool. Well, I'm, I'm glad we can keep him awake because that's one pretty straight road. and You can easily <laughs> fall asleep on it. So. I think that's just so <laughs> awesome that he has someone sitting in his car and it is really the future coming to the present 
for the present coming to the future is he's listening to cliffcentral.com right in his car there in the Middle East on what you say is a very straight drive home from Dubai to Abu Dhabi. Um, I think this really does bring the past into the future, does it not, Graham? It's extraordinary to think. I could never have thought as a youngster that one day radio might be trashed in the sense that we'd go on to global streaming. One could never have believed it, and yet all these things are happening, things like EFT, things like checkbooks. My father lived and died using checkbooks, and, of course, now it's basically totally obsolete. So I think this... You know, what, uh, sorry, we just need to explain for some of the listeners <laughs> what a checkbook actually is. <laughs> you do that, <laughs> sir. You, you know that. what I mean? That's a, I'm joking, but that's how quickly you're absolutely right. That's yes, how that's quickly how things change. Yes, absolutely. Um, you, you know, and for me, that's the exciting thing about mm. what I do for a living and about being a futurist mm. and why when you asked me to join you on the show, I said, let's talk about this issue yes, of being absolutely. a futurist mm-hmm. because everybody actually has to be a futurist. I know I have the privilege of being paid to mm. do it um, but I think everybody has to see that we don't live in a world that is simply continuing yesterday. Mm-hmm. We're not just taking all the things that used to happen and just speeding them up a little bit and they'll just keep happening. Yes, We are living at a time when actually new things are happening. Some of them are exciting, some of them are scary, some of them are exciting and scary mm-hmm. at the same time. Some of them are going to be great for the world and some of them are going to be horrible for the world. And I think the, the incredible thing is that if we open our eyes to the future, we not only can predict it, we can actually shape it. It's a remarkable thing to live in a world where we can have a listener who's driving in his mm. car in the Middle East. And the technology that allows us to do that and the connectivity we have between the, the billions of people on this earth allow us to, to think and dream remarkable dreams mm. for our future. Mm. Uh, you know, the best way to predict the future is to create it. Wonderful. And, that is, and we can do that. that is we really can. And that's, mm-hmm. that's why I get up in the morning, to mm-hmm. inspire people to Wonderful create thoughts. their future. Mm. Creating your future. Listeners out there, dial us on 0861 Here you have proof of what Gareth Cliff's dream has been, and that's to uh, reinvent radio, as it were, in terms of global streaming. Twitter at CliffCentral.com, Instagram CliffCentral, Facebook CliffCentral, WeChat ID CliffCentral. You're listening to Professor David Block. I can be reached on www.davidblock.co.za and my Twitter handle is at Starry uh, Galaxy Man. We are having a most interesting discussion which is really flying by with just over four minutes left about the future. Uh, speaking to my dear friend, Dr. Graham Codrington, who is a futurist. Now, we have one question from Remo, which will clearly be our last and then we'll be playing out with a song if there's time he says remo says hey there i'm not a genius but i was wondering what determines the intervals of repetitions graham such a great question and there's probably a a phd study in answering that uh remo that the simple thing with a futurist is that's actually the key question is what are those intervals 
Some intervals are short. It, it's been fairly standard over the last 50 years, for example, to see a seven-year business cycle. There's a seven-year cycle where you, have a, you go down into a trough for seven years and then you come out the other side for seven years until you get to a peak again. Mm-hmm. Clearly, we, I think, are coming to the end of a trough and moving to hopefully seven good years. And businessmen and, and, and women will be using that short cycle uh, to look at things. There's longer cycles, 50-year cycle. In fact, before 50 years, there's a generational cycle of 20 years. That's the time it takes to be born grow up and sort of have a baby. I know it's not the same for Mm -hmm. everybody, but Mm -hmm. on average, Mm -hmm. sort of 21, 22 years. So we call that a generational cycle. Mm -hmm. And then there tend to be 50-year cycles, which are cycles of economic and political development. Um, And those cycles add up on each other to then 200 and 500-year cycles that you can even see in history. So there isn't one cycle or one repetition. There are multiple cycles and repetitions, and that what is what makes it both interesting and difficult mm-hmm. uh, to spot these mm-hmm. patterns. Mm-hmm. My contention, and maybe this is a great way to wrap things up, mm-hmm. uh, David, is mm-hmm. that all of those cycles are colliding at the same time now in history. Mm-hmm. And that's what's causing us mm-hmm. to live in this remarkable time of disruptive change. Mm-hmm. And the message I'd love people to just take away and think mm-hmm. about this afternoon is – what are the rules for success and failure mm-hmm. in the future? What are the rules that are going to govern the way our lives play out in the future that mm-hmm. are different mm-hmm. to the rules that we've grown up mm-hmm. with? Uh, of the mindsets and orthodoxies and approaches that we've had in the past, what's going to have to be different if we're going to be successful uh, living as people, operating as businesses or uh, organizations? You've been listening to my studio guest, Dr. Graham Codrington. It's been a singular joy, Graham, to have you on the show with us here at cliffcentral.com. And to each one of you, living in the past, living now, but then dreaming about your future. But then not only dreaming about your future, but creating your own future. You too can be a futurist, as Dr. Codrington has so eloquently explained. And now we play out with our final song.